What's up, y'all? Q&A in the house. Uh, Back at it. You want to review our song for us, Q? No, take it away. I'm in a little (laughs) bit of a bad mood, so you should do it. (laughs) All right. Well, um, I'm just going to say for our review um, or criticism and or parody or pastiche of the song, Dumb by Nirvana. Uh, For legal reasons, um, I think it's actually um, a lot smarter than it sounds at first glance. It's like talking about being dumb, but sometimes that, you know, I think who was it? Socrates that said, you know, you don't know anything or whatever, and that makes you smart. So, I think that's what this song is doing, and it's very intelligent. Great. <laughs> um, I'm stressed out because I'm trying to figure out what to do for Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah? What's that's the like, deal? What's up in my personal life? Um, I don't know. There's just like 17 options, you know? Oh, yeah. Like so. the like blended family kind of situation. Yeah, so I'm just trying to. to oh, on the bright it. side, we got our first Patreon subscriber. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, so we've got one now. Yeah, and... it's only um, up from here, in my opinion. <laughs> and we want to thank you because we we do appreciate it. We won't um, reveal your identity, so you don't get doxxed for supporting a misinformation platform yeah misinformation i did start reaching out to um people on twitter and i have some bites so we might have some more guests soon oh nice well um so i've started reaching out to some accounts that i like and if you're out there and you have an account that uh that we might like (laughs) feel free to (laughs) message either of us yeah get in the dm for sure. You can find us on the Patreon. Um, you can find me at, um, at Crimson Freak, C R I M Z O N F R E A K. And A is at Low IQ Moron. Yeah, the one so, and only. Feel um, free to slide in there. Um, Anyway, as I said, it, it was my birthday this last. Well, I didn't say that yet, but I'm saying it now. So I'm, but I, I did say I was in a little bit of a bad mood, and I feel like it's because I did more activities than I'm used to. Oh yeah, are you still like birthday hungover? Yeah, definitely. I'm not like literally hungover, but I'm sort of hungover from like the emotional toll of my birthday. Because <laughs> getting older has an emotional toll, and. It's like being high on life, but you're hungover on life. Yeah, and it makes you kind of like think about death a little more, you know? It's like you're just kind of like, it's creeping up. Um, But that's probably healthy. I was texting my sister today and I was like, 
telling her all these things I was sad about. And she was like, it's probably healthy and normal for you just to feel (laughs) (laughs) she was like, you don't need to like erase them. But I know modern society really encourages, you know, full erasure of any instinctual or natural feelings and makes them and pathologizes them, you know, full erasure. That's the dream. Yeah, I mean, I do think that's sort of what modern society says is the dream, (laughs) at least. Just pathologize the hell out of any um, human feeling you have and push it as far away from your your brain as possible. But I'm going to try to ride it out. I'm going to try to accept accept these feelings. Uh So do you have any, like, birthday uh, resolution or anything? Is that a thing? Uh, well, I'm writing a screenplay now. Oh, nice. So I think that that's my primary resolution. Uh, what is, is it, is it a, um, Christmas movie? It's not, it's a horror screenplay. Oh, nice. I'm writing it with a friend and we're going to use a relative's house as a writing station on the three day weekend in November. I like it. Is it haunted? Um, the house, probably. It's my relative, I'll keep it extremely vague, married like an uber wasp. <laughs> nice. So this is like an inherited home that was built forever ago. I mean, that sounds pretty haunted. People At least definitely like- died in it. Yeah. I actually had a lot of conversations yesterday with a group of people about whether they believe in um, ghosts or not. And Three, I was with four people, and three out of the four did believe in ghosts, including me in that three, and one did not, so. Interesting. But my one friend did tell a really terrifying story about how she was working at a hotel in Texas, like a really old hotel, and this guy came in, and he was acting, do you want to hear this? <laughs> do you think it's good radio? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what the story is. I've right, gotten well, this far. She was working at an old hotel in Texas where, you know, we've spent some time. And uh, she was um, the, like, behind-the-counter person. What do they call that? The concierge. And this guy came in, and he was acting just really weird and talking to her a lot. And he asked for, the, like the like platinum suite or something. And she was like, that's just never happened before. Like someone just walking in off the street asking for that. Cause it's like $2,000 a night, you know? Um, and while he was talking to her, he's, he kind of revealed himself to have done some quote unquote, terrible things in life. And he oh. said, come look in this, come look in the mirror over here. There was like a mirror in the lobby and she walked over and looked in the mirror standing next to him. And she said his face looked like really fucked up and demonic. Oh. And he said, you can see it, right? And she, and she like couldn't even talk. He's like, see, this is what your face starts to look like in mirrors when you've done terrible things. Wow. And I think she asked him to leave and he did. Wow. <laughs> Jesus. I guess this is the Halloween episode. Yeah, that was one of the scariest. That was one of the scariest stories I'd ever heard. Is this person a credible um, source? 
Yeah, I think she's credible. I mean, you know me, like we're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum because I don't think you would describe <laughs> yourself as religious at all. And I have like kind of a lot of religious and spiritual beliefs. So I think she's a credible source, but there's people who would say that that uh-huh. story in and of itself makes her not a credible source. So, <laughs> Oh, interesting. I mean, it sounds pretty horrifying. Yeah. I mean, I believe there's some dark, I, I believe there's stuff out there we don't see. I do think that whether I know what it is, like that's mm-hmm. probably up for debate, but I think there's definitely stuff that most people don't see most of the time. And then every once in a while, they, they can come through in weird ways. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Halloween episode. <laughs> I guess speaking of, I'll just go into the thing I brought. So speaking of Halloween episodes, um, I, I, apparently people really care about box office numbers now. <laughs> Are we getting into bros? Well, I'm going to talk about bros, but I'm also going to talk about this, like, phenomenon of, like, I I do think this is new, but, like, between the Don't Worry Darling drama, the bros drama, and then the, um, the movie, the David O. Russell movie, Amsterdam, just bombing, people, for the first time that I've ever really noticed, seem really invested in, like, box office numbers maybe they're trying to do like a return to office but like return to the movie theater kind of thing well i definitely think the movie industry is interested in that and i think that's why they did that like you know um like uh (laughs) nicole kidman ad did you see that ever no no i don't like yeah i don't somehow i like miss everything that has pop culture um one second i'm gonna open the window oh i can't which windows open in my own house and which don't um anyway in so the nicole kidman thing is like this it's gonna sound really stupid to explain to a straight person but i'll try it's like she did this amc commercial where she walks in this like glittery suit and she's like the movies are where we feel our greatest feelings, our biggest sadnesses, and our, <laughs> our our biggest triumphs. AMC theaters, like you know, comes yeah. to the movie. So that was the movie industry's big like comeback pitch. Anyway, whatever. Okay, so that's my first observation about this: is that it's weird that so many like lay people are thinking about movie profits lately and really well, serious. Well, you mean like there's stories about it in the news? Or there's like, stories about it. There's yeah. lots of tweets about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's I like guess a I'll buzzy just think, topic, yeah. I'm kind of like tired of even talking about it. And I really haven't talked about it that much. I've mainly just been on Twitter about it. But now Twitter feels like actually talking to people for me because I'm on it so much. But... Um, everyone was like, talk, you know, all of gay Twitter was talking about bros and like, you know, uh, why did bros fail at the box office? And I guess if you're one of our full red pilled listeners, I'll give you a quick, (laughs) who wouldn't even know about this. Um, bros was like a gay rom-com that worked really hard to seem like the first of something like what was the caveat 
at a certain point it got really long i don't even know i saw a few different things the first you the one that you said was like the first feature film to be written and directed by a gay man but it was something else it was like one more qualification even beyond that yeah so they they did a lot of work to make it uh like a first which you know the gays are running out of firsts really the cis white gays at least um so that was something that i guess people made a big deal out of okay here it is um <laughs> looking back at our messages yeah. rose uh oh i don't know we messaged so much about it <laughs> anyway they just um yeah so they like gave it a bunch of caveats to make it the first because it wasn't the first rom-com it wasn't the first um it wasn't the first gay rom-com it wasn't the first rom-com starring a gay actor it wasn't the first big studio gay film um it was none of those things so but when you combine all those things they managed to come up with a first and like the marketing pretty much followed this like kind of line that like lib libs like to follow which is like it's important to see this movie it's important (laughs) to buy this book and it's a really like weird form of like kind of like cap capital like rainbow capitalism i guess i would call it Uh okay i found one that this is a different one than than what you originally told me but it says the first gay romantic comedy with a mostly lbgtq cast to be given wide release by a major studio (laughs) yeah so like all those other all of those things individually have already happened but i guess (laughs) if you put them all together then they haven't happened yet and so then the star of the movie, who's someone you'll have never heard of, Billy Eichner, who's, like, only famous in the gay world, like, kind of tweeted this tweet that, like, straight people just didn't show up for the film, <laughs> which is actually not <laughs> true because um, the numbers were, the box office were so low that it not even gay people showed up enough for the film. Like, there's enough gay people in the country that, like, the box office like should have been higher, you know? Yeah. Well, it seemed like it was trying to be like everything to everyone. Yeah. It was definitely trying to be like, I think, I don't think it really knew who its target audience was because it was like, to be honest, it's like, it wasn't really gay enough for like most gay guys. Like I get that. Like, you know, they're, they're like in an open relationship in the movie and they like have orgies and like all that stuff happens, but like, which I I have seen the film now, but you know, the, the kind of like quintessential framework of the rom-com is so heterosexual in a lot of ways. It's like, they end up together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's sort of like the point and like the idea you're supposed to come away with is that like, they got married and had kids and that's like what they did, you know? Um, and women like watching that because it's kind of like porn for women, you know? <laughs> um, this really funny movie with Scarlett Johansson and what's his name? George. Ugh, I can't even remember. 
Anyway, it was some movie about a guy who's addicted to porn, and he kind of ends up realizing his girlfriend's addicted to rom-coms, you know? Oh, interesting. And it gets yeah. kind of, like, juxtaposing these two things, because they're both obviously, like, a fake fantasy about how life is, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, I feel like I'm rambling so much. So that's what the movie's <laughs> about. It bombed. The cast had a full-blown meltdown on Twitter. Um... And a lot of people kind of like clapped back at the, you know, like the whole meltdown about it because it's like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like you're homophobic because you didn't come see my movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're homophobic because <laughs> you didn't come see my movie. And like the thing that I saw tweeted that really made me like almost roll my eyes so much I die. I wanted to die. Um was hold on but it was guy branham who's in the movie he said until we can show hollywood that stories by us about us are a way of directly generating money we will not have the opportunities or control over our own stories that straight cis people have always enjoyed which i just thought was so insane because it was kind of like and then he also went on to say until we can teach straight people to look through our eyes and understand our humanity, we will be in danger. It is through storytelling that we got this far. And it was like, that's so disingenuous. Like he's basically saying that if you didn't go see this movie, you like want gay people to be harmed in some way. Yeah. Wow. It's like, so it's like holding the hatchet, like over people's heads. Like, if you don't go see this movie, this is what you're, you know. Yeah. I mean, that just seems like a terrible way to get people to come see this movie. I mean, yeah. I guess maybe they're kind of on to something with libs just like loving to do things out of guilt and obligation. But they do love to do things out of guilt and <laughs> obligation. And a lot of celebrities were tweeting like their life depended on it to try to get people to go see this movie. Uh-huh. So there was definitely like a concerted... <laughs> Um, effort to like you know uh-huh. um, and you know it's funny because like I get that they like wanted a gay cast but it's like but I feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna do that move it can't just be like a fun gay like romp it, it has to be like an AIDS movie or something then you can get out to like you you need to come and see you know it's morally like <laughs> yeah i guess so it's also just like people do turn up for like big celebrities and you know there's not a lot of gay big celebrities but there's kind of enough that you like think they could have gotten some bigger names than they had you know what i mean like yeah. i'm trying to think of who but <laughs> i feel like yeah. it <laughs> i don't know I mean, it just seems like, yeah, they're trying to, like, guilt people into go seeing The Hangover or something. You know, it just doesn't make... Right. Like, you like can a, do that like with, a, like, Schindler's List or something. You can't... It's I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, people should just go see movies because they're <laughs> excited to see the movie. And that's, <laughs> that's the only reason you should go see a movie. You shouldn't see a movie out of some weird misplaced sense of guilt and i think that if they had honestly just i think the marketing had just focused on like saying this was like a funny movie instead of like you know uh spending a lot of time like scolding people it might have done better (laughs) 
I also just think like rom-coms are stupid and they haven't really been popular in a long time. People don't really see them or make them anymore. Well, they're all on just on Netflix that you can watch for free from your home. You and that's know? fine. That's where they belong. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't, I mean, the rom-com is, I, I, I'm not a big rom-com person, believe it or not. So I don't know. It's just, it was <laughs> well, just Well, and weird. then the other thing is like, the, they're targeting gay guys, which is like, there just aren't that many compared to like like other mainstream like widely distributed movies that are targeting you know much broader much larger audiences there's not that many and you're competing with like what a lot of like gay guys are what their weekends are like and their weekends are a lot more fun than bros you know <laughs> not my weekend but like the average gay guys weekend they're doing more you know they're probably having like more fun than like any other cohort, you know? Uh-huh. So it's like, you have to get them out to that movie. And yeah, I mean, I went and saw it. It was fine. It was like a mediocre rom-com. It was really, really self-referential. You know, mm-hmm. they, they say like some of these like very like scoldy, I don't even know if they're verifiably true things like right at the top, like, you know, a, a tr- like his, the main character's podcast, for instance, is called 14th Brick because uh-huh. he says that the first bricks at Stonewall were thrown by um, black trans women, which has been like, I don't even know why we care. Like who threw the first, first brick? brick. <laughs> I don't even understand why that's a thing. <laughs> But it's like now it's like even more of a thing to make sure that like if a movement wasn't like led by a very specific (laughs) cohort of people, it's like a not not a worthy movement or something like I'm just waiting for the day that they're like, you know, MLK didn't lead the civil rights movement. It was actually a black trans woman (laughs) you've never heard of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's just it all just feels so, so it doesn't feel real. It just feels like they're lying and that like no one really believes. Anyway, the movie was just full of stuff like that. They said Eleanor Roosevelt was a lesbian, which it was just full of all these like weird Uh kind of like rewrite rewrites of history. And I'm like, no, even if Eleanor Roosevelt was like, you know, rug munching all day, she wasn't a lesbian because Uh that like, you know, that that's not how she identified Uh and being a, being a lesbian is an identity. So like retroactively trying to apply identities to people is I think a super bizarre task because you can argue that they like had sexual relationships with people of the same sex, but you can't really, call them a gay or a lesbian or whatever you know yeah those are more like specific thing like they're cultural terms yeah, they're, exactly. they're not like they, they have nothing to do with like who you really you sleep with and now you know even saying the word same sex is kind of controversial because what do you mean by that you know so uh, it's like uh, anyway maybe eleanor roosevelt was trans maybe it's possible We'll never know. Anyway, I, I feel like I brought a topic that, like, I'm <laughs> just so exhausted I can't even talk about it. But uh, people seem to take a lot of joy in this movie failing. And I think 
the people, the marketing team is, is to blame. And, uh, and I find it kind of satisfying, honestly, that some like stupid crap they're trying to push on everyone, like failed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I don't personally, like there's been, I mean, I have seen so much incredible gay cinema in my life, like so much, like I do not feel like there's a there's a lack of that, and I don't care if that cinema has a wide like studio capitalist <laughs> money making release. Like that doesn't matter to me. There's hundreds of LGBT films you can watch anytime, easier than you've ever been able to watch them before, that are made by like incredible filmmakers that are fun and funny and dark and sad whatever you want whatever you want it's uh, out there baby uh, so you bros did not need to to be the thing you know and it's fine that a small group of people like gay people which is a relatively small group of the population it's fine that their movies don't appeal to a, a huge wide audience like i don't i actually don't think that needs to be a goal no i mean it they're just trying to you know open up a new market and get a new formula they can just churn out shit content for you know targeted at gay people and their their like plan to get that to happen just didn't work out i also just find the idea that like we need to like like gay people need to worry about straight people like celebrating their sexuality is so stupid to me like i don't celebrate anyone's sexuality like i just want people to be indifferent to other people's sexuality yeah. to be honest i think that's the healthiest stance <laughs> you know right right there doesn't need <laughs> like to we be should all be indifferent hierarchy. to each other's sexual proclivities and practices and we shouldn't i don't want them to be super publicly talked about or discussed anyone no matter what you're into i don't really want to know and my attitude is being largely indifferent to <laughs> other people's sex lives, um, oh, you know, yeah. and unless it, uh, there's some sort of like abuse going on or whatever, which goes, which goes without saying, I don't even need to give that caveat, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I guess the la- okay, so I'll wrap this up. But the last thing I was going to mention is have did you read any of the try guy stuff? No, no, I don't even know what this is. You don't know what this is? Try Guy? Oh my god. Okay, I don't even know if I can bring myself to explain it to you. What is this like trisexual? No, it's for losers who used to work at BuzzFeed who like make these videos like the Try Guys try waxing their legs. Oh, oh God. Oh my God. That's like what the videos are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I had, I literally have never thought, I, I had thought about these guys maybe once in the past. Like I had seen some, in passing seen some video or something, you know? And then like over the last week, I just, it has been like all over Twitter, like hundreds of thousands of tweets because I guess one of them made out with one of their employees at a Harry Styles concert. (laughs) And like hundreds of thousands of people care about this. Uh And then they've released this video of the three remaining Try Guys where they like used all this like carceral condemning language, like making it sound like he had like 
brutally wow. raped a woman in public or something. Oh my god. So they like they turned on him to save themselves, basically. They turned on him to save themselves. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like when it turned when it came out like what he like quote unquote did, it was like just I, I don't even it, it was just so stupid, you know? And then like everyone was like, well the power dynamics, like he's a try guy and they call like their some of their employees food babies. What? No. I know. So they were like, well, he's a try guy and he had a power over the food baby. Oh and I was like, God. I looked this woman up. She's like 32. Oh my God. <laughs> I think she's capable of making of deciding to make out with, I guess, her boss. But e- even if he's her boss, I'm like. I don't know. Like, I think a 32-year-old can decide to make out with their boss in a non-work setting. Right? uh, Yeah, I don't even know what to think about this discourse. I I don't... They made an... It got so big, they made an SNL sketch about it. Wow. I didn't even know these people. They were... And in the video where they talked about firing him, they talked about, like, their HR team. And I was like, these people have an HR team? And then they said they had 20 employees. I was like... These people have 20 employees at Try Guys Corporation. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to play a little bit of it for you? Some of the Try Guys? <laughs> no. Do you want to know or not? Should we just move on? I think we need to just move. Okay. We can just move on. I can't <laughs> believe you don't know about this. I feel like we're on different Twitters sometimes. Uh, yeah. I mean, my feed has none of this. I started to get shit about um about bros and i i messaged you i sent you an angry dm about what you're doing to my feed yeah <laughs> you like right, let's, let's just, yourself what, yeah, what is it? let's just move on <laughs> okay sorry about that bleep i was gonna pull up a try guys thing but it's it's not even i feel retarded that i even brought it up i'm sorry are they guys. gay one of them is oh yeah they all look like fairly gay or like three out of the four look fairly gay I feel like it's like three low testosterone yeah. Pete, Pete <laughs> Davidson looking guys yeah. and then like one fag, you know? <laughs> That's basically right. Yeah. All right. What's yours? Um, so, yeah, I feel like we've got a lot to talk about, actually. But I, so I wanted to, me and my wife watched Blonde. Actually, oh, yeah. You, I kind of wanted to circle back on that um, briefly um the okay this is just gonna be like a really gay episode i guess sorry to all of our straight and or i saw we still don't have any non-binary um listeners but we do have some seven percent are uh not specified so Mm. there you go um (laughs) anyway so blonde um i so my wife and I had different reactions, which I, I thought was interesting. But like, basically, I thought it was an interesting movie. And like, I um, I don't know. My main thought was just that like the daddy issues aspect of it was like laid on so thick. Right. Um, it was like made it basically it was like a movie about how Marilyn Monroe had like severe daddy issues uh or at least that was like my my take 
Um, and I mean, she called like all of her husband's daddy and stuff. I don't know. It was just like really hammered at home. Um, but I wasn't like emotionally affected by it really at all. In fact, I actually thought uh, there were a few moments where I was like, oh God, this is kind of like a bit much, like, you know, like hamming it up a little bit. Um, but my wife, however, had a very different, she was like almost sort of disturbed by it, like found it very like bleak and depressing and sort of emotionally draining. It seemed like. Interesting. What did she say besides that? Um, I mean, not much like that was, I guess she has read not that book, but other Joyce Carol Oates novels and so I guess that's sort of a common theme throughout many of them is just like women beaten down by the world or something. I, I don't know. So that that was just kind of the impression I got based on her reaction to it. I haven't talked to a single woman who liked it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess that that probably says something, you know, uh-huh. about it. And then um, the only other thing that I wanted to say was that um, I hate the guy that plays Joe DiMaggio, Bobby Cannavale or whatever. I don't he's I don't find him to be a good actor. What did you think about the like internal vaginal? Oh, it was. Uh, I don't know. It was fine. I mean, it kind of conveyed if you wanted to present um an abortion um and i guess spoilers but sort of a um borderline coerced abortion mm-hmm. um in the in in the most horrifying way possible i i did think it was sort of effective at that what do you think of the jfk i guess we'll go with rape scene or <laughs> sexual assault scene yeah um it's difficult to know i mean that scene was obviously i don't know what to even call it (laughs) it was it was a violating scene we'll go with that yeah well yeah i i don't know i mean again i thought it was kind of um effective and conveying like what the film seemed to be trying to convey which is that like women or i guess at least this particular women was just sort of um, almost like completely objectified and subjugated to like men's sexual desire or whatever. So, I mean, that (laughs) was made very literal when it was like the president of the United States, like forcing her to give him a blowjob. Yeah, um, but that that was it. I guess it, some of it it just felt like um, like well, like you were saying like seemed like it was just a film that was designed to generate viral outrage essentially. So you've got the like sexual assault aspect. You've got the yeah. There's a lot of yeah, sexual the abortion aspect. You know. Um, Forced two separate forced abortions. Yeah. <laughs> um, among other things. So yeah, I just wanted to circle back about that. Right. I don't have anything more to say, but that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to be a film that like goes down in like the annals of history or anything. No, so probably not. Um, 
Anyways, more interesting uh, than bros. Yeah, <laughs> I'll come down on I'll come down on that side any day of the week. And it wasn't even a historic first of any kind, at least no. I'm aware of. Um, no, no, no. All right. So actually, I wanted to talk about this fortune article that i found um called remote work could be the reason you don't have a job in 10 years okay um i found sort of like threatening um and just vaguely ominous but i've been paywalled from it now on all of my devices so i actually can't even i don't even remember exactly what it but the point i was trying to make about it was that it seems like um, the message was basically that since people are doing remote work now, like laptop jobs have gone remote, that can all be outsourced to like third world countries, similar to the way manufacturing was. Oh. And um, uh, kind of trying to like put that plant, that idea in people's heads that like, you're next <laughs> yeah i just found it yeah it says exactly what you um isn't that already essentially happening though um i guess so and uh, you know I... like all of our coders are like basically in india right yeah a lot of stuff like that um so yeah i mean i i didn't think it was like that interesting in terms of like oh this is breaking news but to me what it signals is just sort of like a an emerging narrative i guess you could say and that's also coming along at the time that the economy is probably about to crash and there'll be a lot of layoffs um so that's kind of what i thought was interesting it's you more saw it as like a harbinger of what's to come yes exactly yeah um but so, yeah, that's all I would really say about that. I also wondered if you wanted to, um, and this will maybe sort of serve as a segue into our main topic, but briefly discuss the um, Lizzo, the, the, the uh, next phase of the Lizzo op that has emerged. What is the next phase? The flute incident. Oh, yeah. Flute gate. Flute gate. Yeah. I can't believe you forgot. Um... <laughs> Yeah, that was only like four days ago. It seems <laughs> so long ago now. Um, it was... I, okay, first of all, I guess just to, again, summarize for anyone who may not know. And again, it's hard to even tell like what really happened. But basically, Lizzo like played some like, I don't know, 12 notes on a historic flute or something. At one of her shows is that basically the so yeah <laughs> i don't even remember what founding father's flute it was like james madison or james madison something okay. like that yeah and she was performing in dc <laughs> and the curator at some museum like the smithsonian or something um I guess brought her the flute at her concert and she she played just like it's a crystal flute and she played like truly a, just a couple of notes <laughs> and then gave the flute back to like the 
you know, suit that was on stage and it got put back in the case and taken away. And then like a bunch of like lib libbed hard people started posting like, you know, what what, what symbolism that a slave owner's, you know, flute oh, yeah, now played by a woman who's descended from slaves or whatever. I don't know, something like that. And then a bunch of conservative retards, which I need a word for them too, <laughs> because they exist, uh, took the bait and like got outraged by this thing that was... That she was like desecrating a historical artifact. Yeah, she was trying to humiliate white people. <laughs> which if like you're humiliated because Lizzo played the flute, like that's really on that's you. That's on you, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Like, it's a stupid, stupid thing to be humiliated by. And I actually don't even believe... I think the op just got lucky this time. Like, I don't even <laughs> think they thought this would be one of the big, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think they just they just got lucky that people latched, latched on She's to it. She's always getting into something. I mean, I don't know. This James <laughs> Madison's flute, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any opinion on it. I mean, I don't, I don't care about it at all. It's, 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 if the, if it was, if someone did think that that would cause, um, the, the reaction it did, I, they're really <laughs> much smarter than I am and have their, <laughs> and have their pulse more on the pulse of the American people. Cause I just, to me, that seems like kind of a, like just a regular stupid gimmicky, like thing that like a celebrity would like get to do like a la like, Kim Kardashian wearing Marilyn Monroe's dress or whatever. <laughs> it just kind of seems like a normal, uh-huh. like gimmicky, like celebrity thing and not anything of like, <laughs> of like notable or remarkable. You uh-huh. know? But that's almost what seems so manufactured about it is that it's like literally nothing happened. How could people have just been authentically, spontaneously outraged by this? <laughs> Well, I guess we could, you know, if, we're, if we really want to, I know we're half kidding and half telling uh-huh. the truth, but like the Lizzo, if Lizzo really is an op, it's uh-huh. like, um, all you need is to do something like that and then have the enough people tweeting the first leg of the op, yes, which is yeah. like this incredible symbolism. Yeah, she's shitting all over the white man. Yeah, and then you have to have just some people doing the next leg of the op, and then it sort of just uh, go, it makes itself from there, because then there's uh, outrage about uh, the outrage. Uh, yeah. um, and that's, you know, that's yeah. it. That's all you need. Wow, what a culture. What a culture. I wonder if, like, ancient Rome had shit like this when they were, Toppling. When they were on the way out. Yeah. Um, Probably some primitive version of it. I mean, I think people, <laughs> I think people being outraged about outraged about outrage is like probably a human. Uh, yeah, but it also it, seems very like digital, like unique to the sort of digital era. Um, yeah. Well, our time's almost up. They have fun stuff of their own. But, um, anyways, do you wanna do you wanna move on to the the topic at hand? Uh-huh. <laughs> Kanye. Kanye. He had a big week. There were actually like multiple Kanye incidents this week. I guess all somewhat related, but. Um, Do you want to. Okay, let's. Before we even explain what happened, let's figure out where each of us stand on Kanye. 
Okay. So like, what is your in two sen- in three sentences or less? What's your opinion of Kanye? I view him as very like Trumpian in a way, where like I don't really like him or think he's a good person, or I don't even really like his music that much to be honest. Um, but I uh think he's kind of funny and like amusing like i remember when he went with hurricane katrina and he was on tv and he said george bush doesn't care about black people um when he was standing next to mike myers and they just like cut to commercial Mm -hmm. um so like stuff like that i kind of respected or just thought was like funny and amusing basically that's that's all i really got with Kanye (laughs) yeah I you know if you if I really think about it like Kanye and Kim have definitely been like kind of ushered into like an elite stratosphere of our society they're billion they're both billionaires in their own right now um yeah that's crazy I didn't know that until um this whole thing started, you know, all the articles would be like mentioned that he's a billionaire or something. And, you know, that signals to me. And like, again, like I don't believe in like a core, like my view of America is there's, there's not like a coordinated, like Illuminati type thing. Right. Like, I think it's, I think it's chaotic at the top too, but like, you know, the, they're now in the group of people who are at the top and both clearly seem interested in like they both have political ambitions um like kim kardashian has definitely inserted herself in politics a lot she met with trump oh yeah multiple, oh really multiple times she just started a hedge fund oh, God. um and kanye she has, just started a hedge fund. she did <laughs> and kanye has a has really really clear political ambitions you know like he's verbalizing it so to me it's like i think that they're like kind of i don't know i'm like are they an op are they are they did did they sort of ascend to the stratosphere because they're willing to sort of be these constant distractors Well, Um, yeah, that was because this actually ties back to a previous episode, um, the one with my fitness feelings, where we were talking about if they, you know, if they went, if if they went, uh, if they didn't go, if they faked the moon landing, why did they fake like five more moon landings or whatever? And then this, you know, Dave McGowan's theory was that they would do it anytime there was like unpleasant news with the Vietnam war that they wanted to cover up. And then we were talking about how that type of thing still goes on now where, and the example that fitness feelings used was like, yeah, you know, something happens and then Kanye goes on an unhinged rant and that dominates the news cycle for like six days. And then, you know, everyone forgets about the other thing. So that kind of got me thinking about that too. That's like, oh wow, like clockwork, you know. We get a Kanye rant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they've definitely ascended into a group of people who are um, out for 
themselves and control and power and stuff like that. So right. um, whether they're being used or they're doing some of the using and, or probably a combination of both, like who knows, but right. they've, they've been elevated into that. And I do think you kind of like, I think that's sort of a myth that like people just like, you know, strike it rich at some, like i mean because think about it the average celebrity has a lot of money but not a billion dollars no so it's pretty normal for like a celebrity who's had like kanye level or kim level success to have maybe a hundred million dollars which is still an insane amount of money but it's not a billion dollars and it doesn't put you in that sort of like upper echelon right and i think the people who like ascend past that point a lot of the time they're helped in that ascent kind of, you know? Yes. Yeah. There's gatekeepers. Yeah. And like, they'll, you know, you, you'll get, you can get to be rich. You can get to be, you know, whatever, a, a like Sandra Bullock with like $60 million or something. But like, <laughs> if you want to ascend to that, like true upper echelon, I think you have to like, kind of be willing to engage in these like power plays, you know? Yes, I, I, in my opinion, I, I. So they're both agree. there. Yeah. Do you want to say what happened to? Okay, well, I guess there's sort of two, two things. The first one was the White Lives Matter thing, which I guess was at some like fashion show in Paris. Kanye and Candace Owens took a photo wearing white lives matter t-shirts <laughs> yes uh that's it basically i guess um and then you know that everyone got mad about it so that's the other part like i guess um uh who got mad i guess libs got mad because he was kind of doubling down on his like maga politics and um but like no one could really explain why that is actually offensive, right? I mean, I mean it's offensive, or the, the you know it's pretty easy. Like it's offensive because you know the, the line has always been that like it's not that all lives don't matter; it's that Black lives specifically are threatened because they're the the what the mainstream culture doesn't value black lives and they do right and we could i mean i don't even really want to get into whether we like think that's true or not like that's Uh i don't i'm just not in the mood but that's always been the line Uh so but kanye is clearly like you know i guess to the extent that he's even in control of what he's doing um you know and he he seems intent on like disrupting the black lives matter narrative which to be honest is like kind of falling apart as an organization yeah oh yeah it has um, fallen apart yeah I mean, like it's been revealed they're like a cia front group and all of the people just stole all the money and like our yeah, millionaires that is that is absolutely true all <laughs> yeah. people most of them not the probably not the like average people working on it but mm-hmm. the people at the top were all grifters and essentially took all the money and like that's what happened and like no real money reached um poor black people which would have been 
nice if that is what had happened with it but that's <laughs> yeah i mean there was no defunded police or anything nothing happened that <laughs> i don't no. even know really what like they were claiming they were gonna do with the money but no like who is that one patrice Kohler, who like bought all those houses yeah no they're all like millionaires now and i don't they're they all just like left and are doing other stuff or like media personalities and stuff like that yeah here it is she describes herself as a marxist but <laughs> in that over a five-year period she had bought four separate homes <laughs> which doesn't seem very Marxist to me. And then like all the people who like ended up like kind of at the heads of these groups, I'm trying to figure out where she went to college. Cause that would be really interesting to know, you know, uh -huh. she got a philosophy degree at UCLA. Uh -huh. I don't know. They're all sort of like, Anyway, whatever. So he did the White Lives Matter thing. Kanye is, you know, whatever, making fun of. And Candace Owens was with him and whatever. So that happened. Everyone got mad. And basically... But, okay, but my thing about that, too, is, like, couldn't you also, like, just seeing that T-shirt... I mean, we will get into this later with the Tucker interview where he goes into it more. But, like, just seeing that shirt, White Lives Matter... Like, couldn't you even interpret that through a sort of critical race theory lens and like think like basically interpret it to mean that it like he's saying, yeah, like white lives matter. Like that's you know what I mean? Like kind of saying like black lives don't matter. It's white lives that matter. Anyways, I don't know. That was one thought that I had where it's like. No one, I don't know, it, like just seeing this phrase on a t-shirt, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's just being like anti-black or something. I don't know. I thought it. I mean, it's like so many of these phrases that like the left comes up with. Like, I don't understand why it couldn't have just been Black Lives Matter too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just seems like there's such a simple <laughs> fix. And then uh -huh. it's like no one can accuse you of anything and you're still focusing on black people or like I, we had a friend, friend of the pod point out that like the me too phrase, um, believe women should have always been listened to women. Yeah. Cause then it doesn't, it doesn't imply like an immediate <laughs> belief, you know, it like, it just implies that like women should be worthy of being listened to, which is true and is a valid point. But it's like these phrases seem intent on making people angry. And it's like, or like even like, I don't know, like trans women are women. How could we make that not, yeah <laughs> not stress people out i don't know just all these little slogans seem like with just it's the just slightest like... tweaks wouldn't be problems at all which is how i i feel like they're meant to be to create you know yeah I, yeah i don't know i guess okay so what else did kanye do let's not get off time. yeah so that's that's one and then the other thing i guess 
is he tweeted a bunch of stuff or i guess maybe some of it was on instagram too um about jews or like but okay here's what i had trouble saying did he say anything besides he was gonna go defcom 5 on the jews (laughs) yeah so he um he the only other thing i saw was then i guess maybe after that like in response to that p diddy texted him um and and he he screenshotted the text and posted it on instagram i think and he says um this ain't a game this is kanye this ain't a game I'm going to use you as an example to show the Jewish people that told you to call me that no one can threaten or influence me. I told you this was war. Now gone, get you some business. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well... (laughs) So Kanye seems to actually, like, okay, like, I guess without a shadow of a doubt, like, he's saying anti-Semitic things, like the Jews control everything is that literally it well i don't i mean it's just such a it's a weird topic and it's a minefield because there's so many you know it's like people say if you you know say anything critical about jewish people you know that you're a holocaust denier or a nazi or well, the first thing he said just to be clear uh-huh. um on the first thing he said on Tucker or whatever, when he talked about like globalization and bankers and stuff like that and like international finance. And then everyone was like, Jewish dog whistle. Jewish dog whistle. I was like, I don't think it's helpful for Jewish people to every time someone criticizes the global financial system to bring themselves up. Like, uh, that seems like a poor way to defeat anti-Semitism, right? Uh, um, uh, so that was my first thought on that. But then he really did go crazy. Like then he really okay. Did, so like- so let's okay. So let's. So he wears the White Lives Matter shirt with Candace Owens. There's a you know media firestorm. Um, so then he go he does this Tucker interview. Let's talk about that. Okay. So what does he say on the Tucker interview? It was interesting. It was interesting. I recommend to anyone to I only watched watch clips. It. Did you watch the whole thing? I didn't end up watching the whole thing, but I watched probably the first 10 minutes of it. I think it was about 20 minutes total. Okay. All right. So what are some things he said? So the part that I saw he was just talking you know tucker was asking questions and um he tucker was really hamming it up kind of being like no like i'm i'm not here to judge you i'm really i'm listening you know and i i just want you to and you know everyone's saying you're crazy but i don't think you're crazy i think you know i think you've got something really important to say here whatever you know okay and, um, kanye was just explaining about what what he meant by it or what and he's saying basically he the way he his process is is he doesn't think too much about these things that he gets a feeling 
and he just knows that it's like the right thing to do and so that's what he does but um he said he I was sort of respect that in a way yeah yeah I oh sorry 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 <laughs> i was trying to look up craziest quotes from kanye sorry and um <laughs> then he actually one thing i will say that's interesting about this is it's very difficult to find like any articles that talk about like what he actually said. Yeah. Does that make sense? Right. Which is extremely common. Yeah. Like yeah. that is one thing that I like, there's so much talk about um, like there's characterizing so much... or summarizing what he said. Yeah. There's so but... much talk about characterizing or, or summarizing what was said that it's almost impossible to like, like unless you just go watch it, you know, but uh -huh. Yeah. Um, and he describes a conversation with his dad where he, um, his dad texted him that he thought it was funny. And Kanye asked, like, what did you think was funny? And he said, um, that they're mad about a, a black man stating the obvious. So that was, you know, like, that was kind of Kanye's point is that it's, you know, to him, it was just stating the obvious that white lives matter you know it wasn't like uh and, and you know i think i'm sure he knew that it would be controversial and he loves to do kind of uh what do you like uh provocative and controversial things so i'm not saying that he was just like making this completely innocent to the fact of how it would be interpreted but um just that there are multiple ways that you can interpret a statement like that. And people just love to jump to conclusions about it. Yeah. I mean, and like, I don't know, like why <laughs> he's an artist, right? So it's like, why can't he do something provocative to make whatever point he wants to make? Even if his point is like, the Black Lives Matter movement in in the iteration of the the way it was, you know, perceived by America was was not was false, right? Yeah. Not that black lives do not matter, but that like the way the movement was structured was like a false and fake, mm -hmm. you know, movement. And it's like, why can't he use art to like mock that, right? Like, isn't that mm -hmm. right? You know, it, and then, like, it is also, like, some of the stuff he said, like, the fact that, like, you know, Black people, like, Black, like, Black women are much more likely to have abortions and stuff like that. I mean, like, that, why is that a taboo thing to say? Like, that should be fine to talk about. Because, like, one thing that, like, libs never want to talk about when it comes to abortion is that, like, you know, there are countries where things like Down syndrome are like completely eradicated, right? Mm -hmm. And it's because they have such intense access to abortion and basically have no religion, like Iceland. Mm -hmm. And they never want to really talk about that, even though they're like intersectional and like care right. about disabled. So you're saying it's almost like a eugenics type situation. I mean, it could be. It's just yeah. like, why do why are people so scared to really like talk that to out? To discuss it, yeah. Because it's like, 
you know, uh, like in China, for instance, like why are there so many more men than women? Well, because people had, you know, abort, they, they aborted female, you know, babies. Yeah. And it's like, it's like that happened. And it's like, why can't we talk about, uh, you know, abortion should be legal, but here are some other things to at least think about. And like the stuff he, and like, and it's like, that shouldn't be that controversial to me, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just, just mentioning things like that. Yeah. Um, right. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's just another thing where the discourse is so degraded, like nothing, you can't have a productive conversation. Both sides are so entrenched into their position and can't even understand how the other side might have any validity to their point, you know, on both sides. Okay. So that, I mean, the white lives matter thing, I think sort of got passed over by this Jewish stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So then, so he, okay. So this part I missed though. So you have to, so he said something about the global bankers during the Tucker interview. Okay. Let me go back and try to find it. My interpretation of what I remember one of the clips was that he's, I don't think he said anything specific about Jews on the, um, on Tucker Carlson. I don't think, but I think he said, um, something about like the global banking system being like rigged, uh-huh. you know, against people and like it's all controlled and like people sort of like started saying like he's anti-Semitic, right? Because that it's people. That's a common thing where if you criticize the global banking system or the financial system which um you know that that is a a dog whistle for (laughs) anti-semitism yes so that's like what i and yeah we can definitely talk about that more but yeah so i guess so and then but then i guess people got mad about you know those comments and and then then he really just like started posting (laughs) about how he was going to go defcon three on the jews and then (laughs) uh he's a defcon three yeah and then uh that's when they took him off zuckerberg took him off uh instagram instagram yeah so that's basically yeah wow so Uh, this is i mean and then he also i guess he said the the diddy was being controlled by jewish people i'm looking at this new york times article um he said he was gonna go defcon 3 on jewish people um he said you guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who opposes your agenda and he claims um, that he can't be anti-semitic because black people are actually jew <laughs> he did say that um he like the same this is all Mark's, in the same tweet by the way he posted pictures of him and uh zuckerberg together saying being like you used to be my bro or something yeah sort of like um yeah that's all like I'm really seeing. I mean, that's what happened. But then he never like did go down. And the tweet 3. was taken down. 
Yes. I don't think he was kicked off Twitter, but the tweet was taken down, like by Twitter. He actually said, to, he said, look at this, Mark. How are you going to kick me off Instagram? You used to be my, and he used the N word with an A. <laughs> Not the hard R. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So uh-huh. that's it. I mean, I don't know what you want to. Okay. So here's what he says. Um, the post came after Ye was interviewed on conservative commentator Tucker Carlson's show on Fox News, where he alleged that ex-U.S. President Donald Trump's son-in-law and advisor Jared Kushner had orchestrated the Abraham Accords between Israel and Gulf states, in quotes, to make money. Also says... Uh, uh, but don't libs say that all the time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he didn't even make it about him being Jewish. He just is Jewish. <laughs> Jared Kushner just is Jewish. And Kanye pointed out something shady that he did. <laughs> okay. Um. So, yeah. So, there's a lot to discuss here um, <laughs> also yeah, adidas true. canceled his partnership i guess they were gonna do a shoe together or they put it under review um so that was another consequence here um and what, so what else oh yeah um I've seen a lot of other takes on Twitter about this, like people saying that it, that um, uh, similar to COVID where people were talking about like anti-Asian hate crimes because of Trump saying it was the China flu or whatever. They'll be like, Kanye is so irresponsible to say this. He's going to generate, you know, anti-Jewish hate crimes and stuff which i also like, saw this hold on I'll, I'll hold on i'm gonna i'm not gonna say who it was because i know this person but this person tweeted a common thing i've seen when stuff like this happens which is um anti-black racism and anti-semitism are part of the cultural air we all breathe pitting overlapping diverse groups of black people and jewish people versus one another only serves to strengthen white christian supremacy don't fall for it so, like, anytime there's, like, any sort of, like, conflict between two non, I guess, white ethnicities, that ever-changing word, um, that's, like, something that people like to point out. Like, it's all still white supremacy, you know? Right. Yeah. And then I then this person, Sarah Beth Berwick, who I actually kind of like, she's one of the, like, covid moms who you know is like hates masks and you know all that like a red-pilled covid mom and she says am i supposed to care about what kanye says about jews everyone knows he's a lunatic shrug so then there's like that that camp that's like well he's just crazy so you know who cares (laughs) i mean (laughs) he does remind me of trump uh-huh. Uh and I do think he could kind of channel kind of a Trump energy into something interesting for himself. 
But I, I don't know how he fits into everything. And I, I don't know what his goals are or the people who are controlling or, or possibly controlling him's goals are. Um, yeah, it's just really, uh-huh. it, it's then- hard to really like have a, a firm opinion. I mean, and it's interesting because he didn't really say, I guess he just, I guess he just continuously implied that Jewish people are controlling did he? I mean, who, what, what did he really imply they were doing, you know? <laughs> the like, Jews who told you to call me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm like wondering who he means. Like, I wish he'd actually had a chance to like really say what he's like allegedly trying to say. Like, uh, is he talking uh, about like people who run the music industry or is he like doing like really like the Rothschilds actually run the earth thing, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, I, can't I, I don't know where he's falling, like which it, and no it, one really seems to care, I guess. Yeah, well, that's part of the whole thing that I think it's just all mish, mashed up here where it's like sort of unclear what he's actually saying and whether it really matters at all. But I mean, and another thing, again, I am Jewish or I'm not I'm like not really religious, but raised jewish and it's just to head up any concerns about anti-semitism i guess i could be a self-loathing jew i guess that's a thing but um i i don't consider myself anti-semitic but it, it is it is true that there's a lot of jewish people in certain powerful industries including finance including the media and hollywood and including the music industry. <laughs> well, this is why it's like so hard to talk about because it's like <laughs> on some level, like, you know, Ashkenazi, I guess, Jewish people specifically who are the more white appearing Jewish people of which you are descendant, um, have done incredibly well in the U.S., you know? Right. And... Because, and, and and that's sort of like, they've kind of been called a model minority a lot of the times, right? Like, they've achieved high levels of, um, like, yeah. Like right. And, yeah. Yes. And, and it's it, like, it's kind of the same thing that's happening with like, you know, East Asian immigrants now. It's like, they're achieving these like high levels of success. And it's like, that is true um and then at the same time it's like so it's like difficult to talk about because it's like that is true and then like the idea that like there's a cabal of jewish people running the world is insane i don't right. think well that's- and it's again it's just a different it's like you know is my like jewish aunt who you know just goes to synagogue and you know makes brisket for the whatever you know is she you know uh controlling diddy or what you know like no it there might be some powerful jewish people that are you know well, you'd but let it, us know now if there was like <laughs> a a club that you've been invited to that right i mean it, it's that's the thing it's like it's not all jewish people but there are there are a lot of of powerful influential jewish people 
I, I do think it can be like, why, why can't you say that? Like why? And it's probably disproportionate. I mean, I'm looking at it now. There's 11 million Jews in the world. Like mm-hmm. it's an incredibly, incredibly small percentage of the world. Um, and that number probably fluctuates depending on like, you know, what you consider to be a Jewish person, I'm sure. Right. But um I guess my point is, is like they're probably they probably have been more successful. Like it's disproportionate to their numbers, right? Yes, and they've always held sort of a complicated place in Western right. Society. Well, it's, it it happened in Europe, um, dating back to like the early Catholic church where um, which I actually think probably was a good policy essentially was that they banned um, usury, which is like charging interest for loans because I, you know, that was one of Jesus's big things, I guess, was he went into the temple and overturned all the money lending tables. And that was like the one act of violence that he ever did. Uh, and so the the catholic church banned lending money at interest basically and so the loophole they found around that was basically the uh the catholic church outsourced it to jews because they weren't subject to that rule because it was a religious rule and so jews dominated the banking right just due to that and then that legacy has sort of uh, you know, been, you know, you've been carried down even beyond when that, that rule ended. Yeah. I mean, they have, that's the truth. That, that is true about Jewish people. They've always held this complicated because they're a small group and because, uh, they, you know, had this kind of like, yeah, like the the relationship with the banking system. Then there was like all this stuff in Europe, like the court Jews and things like that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which is like what led to like the Rothschilds even being a thing because Jewish people couldn't be like a king or a queen, but they could have this like kind of like other relationship with the aristocracy. Oh, yeah. And that was you know, obviously different than like what happened with like the Romani people, you know, right? Um, who were just kind of like totally, and then there were points where the Jews were totally castigated and expelled, but they always had this, I just feel like, like historically speaking, since Christianity emerged, the Jew, the Jews have had a kind of like complicated and in, in, interplaying relationship with power and I think it's honestly, like, I, I think it's to their credit that they, like, that as a whole, they have managed to, you know, thrive in America. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think that should be a bad thing at all, you know? Like, right. in fact, it's like, I think rather than, like, disparage, like, people with the words model minority, it's like, what is working for them and 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 what and how can we help apply it to groups that are having a harder time assimilating and like the answer always is like just racism you know mm-hmm. 
Um, but there probably is other elements, you know, that are going on that are, that are like, you know, and I'm not saying like genetics, I'm talking about just like cultural differences or cultural beliefs. And it's like, that is really, you're really, really, really like knocked out of the ring. If you say anything like that, you know? Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, I mean, um, there's a specific history between black Americans and American Jews in the music industry specifically that goes back to like the blues musicians and rock early rock and roll and then Motown and you know all this stuff where the artists the talent um, were largely black musicians and artists and but the music industry was dominated by um american jews like um atlantic records was a jewish label chess records was um owned by jewish people and so on the one hand i think they 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 felt there was sort of an understanding or like a kinship because of the history of oppression of blacks in america and also the history of oppression of jews in europe um and but then there on the other hand it wasn't totally simpatico because you still had this somewhat i guess exploitive relationship between the record labels and the artists yeah i think it's being a little generous to think that kanye is gesturing at all of that um (laughs) I mean, I, you know, I don't know, but uh, he is a musician. He, he seemed, at least with the P. Diddy stuff, um, he seemed to be alluding to something about the music industry, but I don't know. But yeah, I, I mean, I, again, I'm not saying I definitely know what was running through Kanye's head when he was saying all this stuff, but I'm just throwing anything that I know that might be relevant context at this yeah. situation. I just think overall people don't want to have like the dialogue that like we are having now um, because, and, and some, and I have heard like some, like, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know. I listen to this very mainstream, like lip kind of lived hard podcast, political gap fest. And like <laughs> two of the three are Jewish and, you know, they were talking about the rise in anti-Semitism, and, you know, like, Emily Bazelon, who is Jewish, was saying, like, it's, um, she doesn't like talking about it because for the most part, she thinks, like, American Jews are kind of, like, a safe and protected group, you know? Uh Like, when you talk about the grand scheme of things. So she doesn't really, and I know that that's some, like, lib virtue signaling signaling of her to say that, you Uh know? Right, right. But... You know, she's just basically saying, like, I don't think it's the most important topic. And I think, like, as a whole, like, white appearing Jews are fairly safe in the in the U.S. Like, I just, you know, that that's kind of was what her argument was. And it's like. Stro- definitely I, agree. Huh? Definitely agree. I mean, way, <laughs> way more than black people. <laughs> right. And that's and that's, you know. it's like you can't even say that like Uh 
And then, like, there's always the specter of the Holocaust, of course, mm-hmm. that is kind of what keeps, you know, yeah. anyone from being able to, like, like, talk about any of this. And it's just so interesting because, like, tons of Jewish people I know, like, are happy to talk about this. So it's like, I don't even know who's really, like... Well, that's, like, what's so interesting is, like, how intense the media coverage and backlash is. Well, oh, Kanye said something about Jews. Like, he's going down, you know? It's like, holy shit. Yeah, Um, I don't know. Here's another tweet that I thought was interesting this is from class redux killa he got famous um a couple months back for because tucker displayed one of his tweets on uh on tv um but he says um and he's kind of like a dissident twitter kind of guy i guess he says does a does an elite jew have more alliance with an elite non-jew or with a poor Jew? Simple question for the Hoteps and the Wignets. So, and I think that's an, a good point that it's like, it's not about being Jewish. Like there are, there are elites who are Jews. There are elites who are not Jewish. And there are Jews that are not elites, <laughs> you know? These are all different groups that I think we can be able to talk about. Yeah. I just wanted to look who the 10 richest people in the U (laughs) (laughs) S let's see how many of them are Jewish. Okay. Bezos is is not Jewish, right? He's not. No, not neither is Musk. Uh, I don't even know who this person is. Oh, he's French. I guess this is the 10 richest people in the world. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, not Jewish. Larry Page, not Jewish. (laughs) Steve Ballmer. Anyway, all these people. The other people are names I don't recognize, but they don't sound like Jewish names. So, yeah. I don't know. These things are also not even like, they're not really that real. Um, a lot of the super rich people do, are not on these lists. I mean, that's just right. the reality. Whether it's like Saudi royalty or like, um, you know, Russian oligarchs or the Rothschilds, like they're, these people are insanely, insanely wealthy, like probably more than Bezos or any of those people. And they're not. No, of course. List, so. So we don't really know. I mean, <laughs> right. Anyway, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where Kanye, what happens with Kanye and where he goes. He's sort of like too big to be cancelable. So I don't think there's going to be any like Kanye is gone moment. No, no. And, and that's like some people think that Kanye is like, He's going to be taken out because he's like speaking the truth too much or something. You know, I don't really see that happening either, but um, you never know. I guess look out for any like helicopter crashes or whatever <laughs> the next couple of weeks. We'll see. I mean, I think they're both 
Kim and Kanye are like still very useful. Right. Exactly. The, exactly. Like, and at the bare minimum, they create, you know, a lot of, they're able to like sort of create a lot of like, like even now, just like Googling Kim Kardashian's name, like, I guess she was booed at an LA Dodgers game today. Uh huh. And I guess to me, I think this is also a way where they can, um, they can diffuse criticism directed at global elites, right? By claiming that criticism of these people is anti-Semitic. It's sort of a way connecting those ideas, like, like how um, criticizing the Israeli government is supposed to be anti-Semitic. Even when they do bad shit, you can't criticize it because you're criticizing Jews. Right. So it's kind of, to me, it also kind of works on that level. Well, I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is just used to like stifle any sort of dissent. Because if you manage to associate Jewish people with the elite, then you always can say that. Right. Right. I don't know. We've done about an hour and a half. What do you say about calling it? <laughs> yeah, I'm good with that. Do you have any parting thoughts um, or and or prayers? I feel um, like we could all use a little prayer. Right now. I think my prayer is that I would love it if... Um, I think I would, I would really pray. <laughs> I'm trying to think if... I just kind of want everyone to calm down. <laughs> I think that would be my like most ardent prayer and to take things less seriously and to remember that everyone that you know is going to be dead in like a hundred years. And just all this stuff is sort of not super important. <laughs> That's That would be my prayer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Bye. See ya.